Vox Quick Hits. It's Today Explained. I'm Halima Shah, sitting in for Sean Ramos for him. On this vote, the yeas are 220 and the nays are 210. The bill is passed. This month, the House passed one of the biggest voting rights bills since the civil rights era. If it passes, states would have to automatically register all voters, and Americans would have more time to vote. But this bill has a tough road to the president's desk. It's unlikely to make it through the Senate. And this is all happening in the wake of 2020, when former President Trump falsely claimed that the election was stolen from him. And state houses are responding by making it harder to vote. The fight over who gets to vote has raged on for a long time in this country. When we celebrated the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage last August, Sean had a conversation with historian Robin Muncy. She said the fight over voting rights dates back to the country's inception. The work of being a democratic citizen is never-ending and relentless. The kinds of struggles that we are having right now over voting rights, we have been having since the founding of the republic. They are endemic to our democracy. Some people could be depressed by that, But if we look at the history of the struggles of women for voting rights, we see courage and strength and relentlessness. And that is our path forward, too. When exactly does the story of women's suffrage in the United States start? I think it starts at the founding of the Republic. In 1776, New Jersey adopted a constitution that said that all inhabitants, inhabitants, with a certain amount of personal property, could vote. And it was personal property, not real property. It wasn't real estate. So you could have a bunch of furniture and clothes that added up to the 50 pounds or whatever it was. Hmm. And that language meant that African Americans, women, New immigrants all were eligible to vote in New Jersey in the late 18th century. And they did. We have evidence that's just turned up in the last few months, actually, of women voting in New Jersey in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. We know that they were accepted as voters because there are subsequent voting laws that refer to voters as he or she Hmm. in New Jersey. But in 1807, the state rescinded those voting rights from African-Americans and women. Really? They took it away? They took it away. And the women in New Jersey would not then be voting on the same basis as men until the ratification of the 19th Amendment. And, and just to be clear here, this situation in New Jersey that was relatively short-lived, it was exceptional. There, there weren't a lot, a lot of other states in this new union who were allowing African-Americans, women, to vote. That's right. And it is emblematic of the history of women's suffrage and suffrage in general in the United States. It shows us what a piecemeal, patchy, raggedy process this has been. And there are reversals along the way. And where does the struggle go once women's right to vote is taken away in New Jersey in the early 19th century? 
it doesn't become an independent women's movement, uh, suffrage movement in the U.S. until after the Civil War, say 1860s. But there's a women's rights movement. There are women's rights conventions that begin in the 1840s. The most famous one is the Seneca Falls Convention of 1848, which is organized by Elizabeth Cady Stanton and some of her other friends and famously attended by uh, Frederick Douglass, the great anti-slavery activist and orator. One of the interesting things that took us a while to kind of come to grips with is that at that Seneca Falls Convention, which is so famous and often cited as the beginning of the women's suffrage movement, there's a set of resolutions that are adopted by the 300 attendees. We are assembled to protest against a form of government existing without the consent of the governed, to declare our right to be free as man is free, to be represented in the government which we are taxed to support, to have such disgraceful laws as give man the power to chastise and imprison his wife, to take the wages which she earns, the property which she inherits, and, in case of separation, the children of her love, forever erased from our statute books. There's this whole list of resolutions, and among that list is the desire for the enfranchisement of women. Resolved that it is the duty of the women of this country to secure to themselves their sacred right to the elective franchise. That is the only resolution that did not pass unanimously. So that in the beginning, suffrage is actually not at the top of the list of women's rights activists' desires. Why is that not at the top of the list? Uh, things like access to your own wages. I mean, at, at that point in, in the 1840s, married women who worked for wages didn't own their own wages. They belonged to their husbands. Their property, any property went to your husband. You, you didn't have custody of your children. You couldn't make a will or sue in your own name because you were a dependent in the law. And those things seemed to have much more immediate consequences and meaning to women's daily lives than the vote. When and how does that begin to change? I mean, really, you get the formation of these independent organizations devoted to women's suffrage beginning in 1869, which is still a really small group, but it grows dramatically in the 1880s when the Women's Christian Temperance Union comes to support women's suffrage because the use of alcohol in a lot of cases is destroying their homes because it, it leads to domestic violence and in the homes of wage-earning people who don't have much money and often have seasonal jobs— some women see the saloon as a place where men spend their money and then leave their families hungry in the off-season. And as the movement grows, what are the essential arguments that are being made? In the beginning, there's the argument based on justice. There are some women who make the claim that they're taxed without representation. This is especially true of widows or independent women who have property, who have jobs, who do own their own wages, and who are taxed just like men, but they have no say in the government and the way that their taxes are spent. In the 19th century, there are also arguments that because women are different from men, they have special interests and special skills on issues that have to do with things like schools. And so one of the interesting things that emerges in the 19th century is a movement to enfranchise women only in school board elections. And one of the earliest of those 
laws is in Kentucky in 1838 because women are associated with the care of children, the nurturance of children. And so the argument is made, look, you know, women ought to have say here. And by the time we get to 1900, I think something like half the states have enfranchised some women at least, in some elections. Hmm. And school board elections are the most common. So the argument is working on a local level before it's working on a national level. Yes, absolutely. And it's really important to understanding how political change actually happens in the United States. Sometimes we claim that American women won the vote in 1920, but that is so not true. Millions of American women had the vote before 1920, and millions were still disfranchised after 1920. So the states are enfranchising women in the late 19th century and in the early 20th, and those women have full voting rights in 15 states. And in 12 other states, women are enfranchised before the ratification at least in presidential elections. So that means in over half of the states, women are enfranchised at least in presidential elections before the ratification of the 19th Amendment. And you can just watch as more women are fully active in electoral politics through their state action, the number of votes for the federal amendment increases in Congress. And in a way, the 19th Amendment is evidence of women's existing political power, as well as a generator of more of it. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts.